we would have that 30 to 35 items and probably 90% of them would get a unanimous vote. But that 10% or that 5% sometimes that didn't get a unanimous vote, well, I've been that's what would be on the front page of the newspaper or that's what would make the news story. Welcome to Drop the Disc. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And today we are featuring the upcoming local election in this podcast collaboration with Janice Allen Jackson, the host of the Local Matters podcast and former administrator for Augusta. She talks to us about her time in office, the projects she worked on, and the successes that they had. I was dancing in the streets when we got that announcement because I was like, this puts us up there at the top. And how her experiences as a public servant have helped shape her perspective. And I used to say, I don't understand why Augusta is not one of the preeminent cities in the southeastern United States. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, we ask you to leave us a rating or review. That really helps us and we appreciate it. This episode is presented by Nancy Powell of Powell & Associates. Nancy Powell has been our community-driven sponsor from day one. She has her own podcast where she works on educating people, especially in the CSRA, about real estate and finances. It's called the Broker Bites B-Y-T-E-S podcast, and you can find it wherever you listen to Drop the Disc. But we love Nancy's partnership because she represents everything that we do and everything that's in this episode, which is being civic-minded and giving back to your community. If you want to learn more about Nancy or work with her, visit her online at powellpropertypros.com. It's just another day on the road to be great. Got a list full of goals and so much on my plate. Another episode of my life to the day. Yeah, and I'm going to do it all with a smile on my face. In the land of the free, yeah, the home of the brave. The only way you grow is if you learn from mistakes. And never stop the hustle, got to keep up the pace. I ain't got time to waste. I got moves I'm going to make. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the topic is. We're going to talk about it on Drop the Disc. We can dive in on city politics. Or I can brag about my accomplishments If you hating on the city, it is not a fin Problem is that you're probably lacking common sense Augusta got so much talent that'll make it big And you gon' see in here first, don't drop the disc Ay. Learn a lot about the 706 About to chop it up with David and Chris A lot of interviews you would hate to miss AUG in the mix, just drop the disc uh. Learn a lot about the 706 to chop it up with David and Chris. A lot of interviews you would hate to miss. AG in the mix, just drop the disc. And make sure you add C-Lark to your playlist. C.L-A-R-K. Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey guys, I'm David. We are Drop the Disc Podcast. We're doing a really cool uh, podcast collaboration. We love collaborating with other podcasts in the area. And uh, we are super excited to get this one kicked off, especially during the uh, the mayor race. Very topical, very yes. topical uh, stuff we're going to be talking about. If you are a civics head, uh, you're going to like this. If you're involved in local politics and local matters, or, you're probably going to like this. Or so, if you live in Augusta. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, I kind of gave it away a little bit already, but we're here today with... 
Janice Allen Jackson, host of the Local Matters podcast. Uh, we have a radio version, runs on Wednesday. So, yes, um, every Wednesday, 1.30 p.m., if you can be sitting in front of a radio, you can be uh, listening to WKZK, 1.30 p.m. Wednesdays um, for the Local Matters podcast. Uh, if you're like me and you don't spend a whole lot of time sitting in front of a radio uh, and you <laughs> like to listen to our information shows at your leisure, uh, that's why I created the Local Matters podcast version. It is on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, anytime you want to find it, I have about 30 minutes of content related to some aspect of state and local government. Yeah, so that was kind of before we really jump in too much, like what you know, what can somebody expect from your show? Like if I wanted to listen to your show, why would I listen? Because you want to become better engaged with your local community. I think a lot of times people don't understand the connection between what they do when they go vote and what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite slogans is you get what you elect. Uh, I started using that way back years ago when I was city manager in Albany, Georgia. I was at a forum at Darton College, I believe, and there was some angry citizen there who was complaining about this and complaining about that. And I just said, sir, you get what you elect. Mm -hmm. And I came back to my office and I told my public information guy who wasn't there, I said, God, Kevin, I said that you may have to do some damage control because there was some as a media person in the room. So get prepared. You know, I tried real hard not to put my foot in my mouth. But I was like, that one you might get a call about. Uh, we didn't get a call about it. And I continue, though, to use that slogan because it's just so appropriate for what it is. People really do have an opportunity to shape their quality of life. And sometimes they don't realize that. You get what you elect. Yep. Very cool. And we're going to talk way more about that. But first, we want to kind of get to know you. Mm -hmm. And so you talked about you were a former city manager in Albany. Mm -hmm. And that's not the uh, end of your experience either. But before we get into that kind of stuff, let's take it all the way back. Um, are you originally from Augusta? Born and raised about five minutes from your studio. No way. Okay, yeah. very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I was... Um, when I worked in the municipal building, I would say I'm five minutes from my house and I'm seven minutes from my actual birthplace because I was born at the old university hospital. Yeah. Um, grew up in East Augusta uh, and uh, attended schools in this order. W.S. Hornsby Elementary School, A.R. Johnson Junior High before it became a <laughs> fancy health professions magnet. And then the Academy of Richmond County. OK, so you, you definitely... You definitely know about Augusta. You grew up here. I'm curious, when you were in high school, middle school, all those, you know, were you engaged, would you say, with, like, what was going on in the city at the time? Like, were you passionate about that, you know, civics? I, I was getting there, for sure. Um, I remember, you know, of course, my parents had a subscription to the Augusta Chronicle back mm -hmm. in those days. And, of course, you had to read a print edition back then. Mm -hmm. And I remember the uh, I would kind of follow what was happening in local politics. There were some local elected officials that maybe did radio. Um, I remember reading an article that was actually about the federal government. It was at the time that Patricia Roberts Harris, who um, was uh, – the first black woman, I believe, to be appointed as a cabinet secretary. Uh, she was appointed by President Jimmy Carter at that time. And um, she was just talking about what housing and urban development does and making sure that people have safe, 
sanitary living conditions. And I said, gosh, this government service thing is pretty cool. And uh, I knew from that point that I wanted to do something government-related and wasn't quite sure if I wanted to do you know, local, state, federal, mm-hmm. whatever, and later on decided local level was it for me. So you're interested in government. Were you like, did you do student government? Did you do anything like that? Of course I did. <laughs> of course I did. I was um, secretary of the student council at Richmond Academy, uh, and I was also, I think, senior class treasurer or something like that. So, yeah, I was always involved with those things. Okay. Always a mover and shaker. Mover and shaker, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I had a title, but no, I enjoyed um, having that opportunity to sort of represent other students and make sure that we kind of got what we were entitled to, too. Yeah, that was like your first government, you know, working in government experience. That's it. <laughs> Didn't get paid, but that was it. <laughs> so you went to college. Did you go to college? And, and was that local? Went to college a long ways from here. Uh, I went to the College of William & Mary in Virginia. In fact, I just came back from William & Mary. We had our first Black Alumni Weekend. So I just came back from Williamsburg. I'm still a little sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I had a great time in Williamsburg. Had a great academic experience mm-hmm. uh, when I was there. And um, What did you study? I was a public policy major. Okay, so you're, and I, you're like yeah, right so I was online. always yeah. there. Yeah, I was always there. <laughs> um, I started off as a government major, which is equivalent to what most colleges call political science. And then mm-hmm. one day my undergraduate advisor asked me to stay after mm-hmm. class. I said, Janice, can you stay with me after class? I want to talk to you for a few minutes. And I was thinking, hmm, I wonder what's up. And he handed me a little brochure and he said, our faculty has been working on this interdisciplinary major in public policy and uh, we're thinking that you would be the ideal first student to try it. So, wow. uh, so I said, okay, let me think about it. So I took the little brochure back to the sorority house because I was living with my sorority sisters at the time. And we talked about it for a few minutes, and I went back to them the next day or two and just said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So at that point, I had to just kind of design my own little curriculum to get it approved, and mm-hmm. um, the faculty did approve it. So I wound up finishing that with a concentration on urban policy. So I took urban economics and urban sociology and urban history and urban economics and <laughs> all of those things um, so that I was prepared to do that. You kind of know your way around the city. Yeah. By the way, yep. what's the sorority? Give them a shout-out real quick. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. The Deltas. Incorporated. Okay. So, okay, so we've got this background now. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, really by the time you graduated college, you probably had like six years of government experience <laughs> going for <laughs> you. Uh, what was the next step? Did you move home? I actually went to work in Richmond, Virginia. Um, there was another William and Mary grad who was looking for a staff person, happened to come back mm-hmm. to the college. And I wound up going to work for a nonprofit organization, but Uh, They were still engaged in government-related stuff. I mean, we did downtown improvement sort of work in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And I did that for two years. And then after uh, that, I went to Duke University and got a master's degree. So Okay. What's your master's degree in? Public policy as well, this time with a concentration (laughs) in management. Yeah, I was just honed in. So concentration in management, I took a few classes over at the Fuqua School of Business as well to get more of the, you know, traditional management Mm -hmm. training. And um, pretty much have worked in local government since that time. So you you were living in Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, And what's what's the reason for Virginia? Is it because it was close to D.C. or... 
You know what? Really, at that time, it was just because I found weather. a job in Richmond. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I found a job, so I was like, okay, I guess I'll stay up here since okay. I got a job that I like. So you're up there. You know, I guess the next question is really what brought you back to Georgia? I came back to Georgia because Augusta, Richmond County had an administrator vacancy. You know, I applied for the job, went through the process, took forever because I want to say I applied for the job in like, you know, February, March, April, somewhere in there, interviewed in July and didn't get hired until October. Took them a while <laughs> to kind of stretch that no one kidding. out. But I moved back to Augusta in November of 2014 and have been there ever since. Of course, I worked for the city for up until uh, April of oh, of 2019. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. I was here engaged in the community and everything. And I just, you know, it was kind of no need for me to move. You know, I did look at some other opportunities, and it just looked like God wanted me to stay in Augusta. So here I am. I'm still here. <laughs> um, I am now city manager in Stonecrest, Georgia, which is one of Georgia's newer cities. I've been around for about five years, but they have allowed me to do it so I can work remotely uh, most of the time. So my home base is still Augusta. And and you were you the city manager in Augusta? I was city administrator. 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 Or let me take that back. I wasn't the city administrator. I was just the administrator. And you know why I wasn't the city administrator? Because Augusta doesn't know if it's a city. Yeah, we're a city yeah. county. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> we're that, consolidated. There's a hyphen in between. Yeah, yes. yeah. Augusta, Richmond County. You know, we don't know what to call ourselves. Sometimes we're Augusta, Georgia. Sometimes we're Augusta, Richmond County. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the official title in Augusta is administrator. Okay. There's a little bit of a distinction in the positions. Typically, an administrator does not have all the powers of a city manager. Um, and that's just the way Augusta's charter is written. So I had a little bit less authority, but still responsible for the day-to-day -day operations of the government. Stick around, we'll be back with more Local Matters with Janice Allen-Jackson right after this quick break. Have you had the opportunity to try the Mexican lager at Savannah River Brewing Company? I ask you because if you have, you might notice that it's a little bit different. Um, I definitely could taste something a little bit different in it. And it's more on the sweet side. But the best thing is... That it is super crushable. In fact, all of those beers at Savannah River Brewing Company are absolutely crushable. Go head over to Savannah River Brewing Company and try all of their beers. Let them know. Let them know that we sent you. Tell them that you heard about them on Drop the Disc Podcast. That kind of gets at what I was wondering. What what does the city, what does... What, what does the, the administrator? Do yeah, day? what what do you do? I what mean, so I'm you know I'm looking day. out over the city. There's a lot of stuff going on, mm -hmm. right? I mm -hmm. have no concept of what the administrator does. Okay, all right. Let me see if I can help you out. <laughs> First thing is, uh, there's got a city has to have a budget, and the city has a finance department, but the administrator is responsible for overseeing the finance department and putting together a recommended budget. Okay. Mm. So that's thing one is it's kind of important. Yes. Yeah, little, just yeah. a tad bit when you're talking about a budget, you know your math. $900 million <laughs> or so that's, that's pretty important. So uh, putting, bringing a recommended budget before the commission for mm -hmm. their approval. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things is advising them on like them. I say the, the commission mm -hmm. on various policy issues. Uh, let's say one of the things that I found out just to give you a for example, for instance, when I came in, it was a lot of things were obvious. One of them was that our city facilities were in awful, awful condition. 
I don't know if anybody ever had to go get a business license over off uh, Mike Pageant Highway over there. I can't remember the road now that the Marvin Griffin Road. And the building had mold, mildew. It was just terrible. And I could not imagine that we were forcing employees or citizens to come into those types of conditions on a regular basis. So um, my recommendations to council was, hey, commissioned was, hey, uh, let's uh, build a new building over here to take <laughs> care of those functions so yeah. we have livable conditions. So that's just one example other things, one of the other big things I'm pretty proud of is that if you all are familiar with the special purpose local option sales tax. Yep. SPLOS, yeah, SPLOS. Yes. Um, the SPLOS referendum before I came in had failed. Mm. And that is a major problem for right. a city government because every city government in Georgia and county government as well depends upon those SPLOS dollars for major capital purchases. I mean, for instance, a fire engine is, oh, $800,000. So you're not going to have that in your general fund just lying around when you need to replace uh, fire equipment. So we depend on SPLOS to do that. So one of my major initiatives was coming up with a good project list. I've spent a good bit of time just listening to people in the community to figure out, well, why didn't you vote for it? Why do you think it failed last time? How mm -hmm. do we need to adjust the package of projects to make it more palatable to the voters? So I engaged in a bunch of conversation with uh, folks in the community um, work with staff to figure out what our real needs were. And then I went on a road show where I probably met with 35 to 40 local uh, civic clubs, neighborhood associations, et cetera, to explain what was on the package. And I couldn't advocate because government officials can't say, you need to vote for this, but we can say, this is why we need six new fire engines, right. you know, and that sort of thing. So getting initiatives like that approved uh, is a major thing. We came out of it, went from losing with, you know, I think we maybe had 48, yes, 48% yeses the time before to getting about 61, 62% yeses in order to pass it um, the next time around. So leading major initiatives like a SPLOS, identifying needs and um, helping the commission get those approved. I say advising the commission to get those approved. Uh, some of our other problems, like all these abandoned structures, you know, we put in place a process to get a lot of those abandoned structures demolished. So, I mean, basically figuring out the best way to deliver services to the public is what the administrator does all yeah, day. That's a lot. Yes. What, and, and I'm curious, like, when you talk about the budget, the budget affects a lot of things because it's like, what is the city doing? Mm -hmm. How much... You know, when, when you talk about a government budget, you have your money that's not going to change, and then you have your money that is going to change for different projects and that kind of stuff. You know, like it, getting an idea of Augusta, like how much of an impact does that decision making have? Like, you know, for example, are we talking about like a million dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, like ten thousand dollars? Like how, you know, how much kind of spending money uh, is determined by the city administrator or by the administrator and like mm -hmm. what kinds of actions we're going to be taking. Oh, about $900 million worth for the, <laughs> for, for the year. That's the no annual budget. Deal. It may be a little higher than that now. It was around 850, 880, I think. So at the all time of I that is, is. So all that is in the recommended budget. All of that can yeah. change. And a lot of times, you know, if you've got, let's say, an ongoing um, sewer extension project, you for keep instance, that, right. you know, you don't exactly pull it away if the project's sure. in, already in place. But um, let's say one of the big things is we just don't have enough staff in. 
you know, code enforcement or the sheriff's office mm-hmm. or whoever, whoever. Um, you're, so staff you're saying, decisions come yeah, into that you, too. You're saying, wow. yeah, because all staff is paid out of that $900 million. So you're saying, hey, you know, we do need more money for staffing because we need to add 20 people to this department. So you're everybody's best friend. Everybody's taking you out to lunch. Or enemy. (laughs) (laughs) When they they don't get what they want. Before the budget comes out, you're (laughs) their best friend. Right, Afterwards, you you wait and see, right? Yeah, and it's it's a tough process because, you know, there's just not enough to go around for everybody to get what they want. Yeah. Um, but you really have to balance those needs. I mean, I, I, it would, I would marvel at organizations like the library, for instance. Yeah. Um, they would come in and say, you know, we want an extra half million. I'm just making up numbers here because I don't remember exactly what they said. We want half million, but if you gave them half of that, they were happy. Mm-hmm. If the sheriff's office comes in and say they want half a million and you give them half of that, they're insulted. Yeah, yeah. So it's the whole difference in perception. And I right. think it is something that elected officials have a hard time with because, I mean, they feel like they can say to the library, it's OK for you to get half of your request. But they don't feel like they can say that to the sheriff's office. Right. And so you wind up with what many perceive honestly to be an imbalance it's like, well, some of these functions are always going to get what they want. People making other people happy. And and other folks aren't going to get what what they need. And then you start thinking, you know, those libraries, if you put more money in the libraries, you might not need as much from the sheriff's office because you've got a population that's better prepared to fend for themselves. But, you know, those are all sorts of philosophical yeah. arguments that, that folks, uh, elected officials, have to grapple with when they make that final decision about whether they're going to approve the administrator's recommended budget. So before before we move on past this, was there any kind of like initiative? You mentioned T-SPLOS. Was there any kind of, um, and, and the, the T in T-SPLOS for us is transportation, right? Because that's what and, we're spending it on. And I'm talking about the, reg- the SPLOS and not the T-SPLOS. Because the T-SPLOS is a little bit of a separate process. Okay. So as far as that goes, you mentioned that SPLOS mm-hmm. project. What What projects were you able to work on that people might know about or that you were just maybe particularly proud of while you were okay. in government here? SPLOS 7, definitely I was proud of uh, getting that approved because it was the biggest SPLOS package ever for Richmond County at that time. And um, we made it a back-to-basics project where people say, oh, there's no fluff here. This is really addressing needs. I mean, we talked about roads. We talked about public safety did a public safety communication systems, fire engines, uh, new fire stations as the city grows. And one of the results of that is um, the insurance rates for our public goes down because if you have uh, everybody within, I think, five miles of a station or something like that, what's called the ISO rating improves. Mm -hmm. So we went from an ISO 3 to an ISO 1, and having a, a fire department that's rated a class one department is the envy of every city manager in the country, you know, you know, cause they're only at that time, I think they were, we were number 141. So of all the fire departments in the United States of America, they were only 141 that were class one. And I had one of them. Wow. So, I mean, that's the type of thing, you know, I, I was dancing in the streets when we got that <laughs> announcement. Cause I was like, this puts us up there at the top and you right. know, to be there. So I was really proud of that. Uh, one of the other projects I'm super proud of is our Beacon Station Oh, project. Beacon Station, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, um, I even named the complex. I was involved in every detail wow. of pulling that together. Because, yeah, we uh, the our community development department had been uh, planning for this project forever. 
the commission would approve one step and then the next step, and then we got to the final stop step, they were like, nah, I don't know if we want to approve this. <laughs> so I just said, you know, I'm not giving up on this one. We're just going to keep putting it in front of them. And finally, we were able to get the support from enough commissioners to pull it off. And it was a wild success. You know, it was finished after I left. But it was such a wild success that um, we didn't have to worry about carrying the debt on that one because a company bought mm. it up. You know, it was, the project was so attractive that it was bought out on the private market. So wow. the city didn't lose a dime. And that's what folks were worried about. Are we going to lose money on this? And I kept saying, there's no way for you to lose money on this. You're directly across the street from the Medical College of Georgia. Right. Do you know how desirable these units will be? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had done a little research. You know, I talked to some people who worked at the university. And they said, oh, yeah, there are a bunch of medical researcher types who come from foreign countries without driver's licenses. So this is heaven for them to be able to walk across the street right um to from home to work so so it just i knew it was going to work mm. i just had to persuade everybody else that was going to oh, it was kind it of was, the first of its kind in that area it too was, yeah. it was and the goal was to spur other development if mm -hmm. one private development could be successful another one could mm -hmm. and that would uh, go toward our long-term goal of clearing up the blight in the area because right. some of the area had been lighted and pretty depressed for a long, long time. Um, I had an aunt that lived not too far from that when I was growing up. And um, I just, I watched it deteriorate over the years. And that was really sad to me that that area had deteriorated that much going from being just, just an overwhelming number of people there to, you know, every other lots of vacant or abandoned house was pretty sad. So I was really glad to see that happen. So I'm really proud of that project. I made reference earlier to, new buildings, um, you know, our staff, as, like I said, as well as the public. I mean, are we really inviting folks to come in here? And one of the problems we had was that uh, either nobody was paying attention or they didn't have the right structure to, to pay attention to what was happening with our facilities. So it just, you know, so I recommended to the council, I said, hey, we need a department that's just going to focus on maintenance of facilities. That's going to be their primary responsibility made a recommendation, got it approved, and, and we were now able to, to do a much better job taking care of this. So you also helped yeah. create a department. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got to get the councils because, yeah, my, again, how do we best deliver services? Right. So that can include more money. It can include more mm -hmm. software. It can include a different organizational structure. You know, all of those things are within the purview of the city manager or the administrator, whatever you have in that community to ensure that you can deliver services in a better way. That's incredible. I just learned a lot. Just no now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think people, as you say that, um, I think, you know, since we're on drop the disc, I think people disrespect mm. um, the role of public servants in terms of making those things happen. And I think the disrespect isn't intentional. It's just because they just don't know. It, it's yeah. ignorance. But, but I think they just don't have a clue of what um, some government bureaucrats do all day. Well, and you hear a lot about bureaucrats and red mm -hmm. tape and how nothing can get done. And it certainly seems like in our government, it's at least built for it to be harder sometimes for things to get done with the commission and then the weak mayor and then the administrator and kind of like different levels of juggling right. going on. So it is cool to hear an actual story about well, we put it in the budget, we pitched it to the commission, and then we created this department. We had this building done. 
you know, we appropriated the funds, that kind of stuff. I think that's pretty cool. And now your public buildings actually get maintained on a regular schedule. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that which is what's supposed to happen, and it saves you money in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, people don't understand. <laughs> they, yeah. they really, really don't get it. Um, our form of government, which we're making reference to, sometimes we would refer to it as the three-headed monster mm-hmm. because you've got an administrator who's a professional person who's trained and experienced in doing this business, then you have an elected commission, and then you have an elected mayor. Um, this structure is pretty unusual from yeah. what I've seen. Yeah. Um, most of the time, it's either a strong mayor form mm-hmm. of government, like you mm-hmm. have in, in Atlanta or New York City or someplace. And Charleston is a good example. Charleston also. Greenville. Strong mayor, <laughs> Greenville, um, another one. Uh, or you have cities where you have the city manager who runs the day-to-day operations, right. like Stonecrest, where I'm working now, um, San Antonio, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Phoenix, Arizona. So cities really can grow and develop with a city manager. It's called a manager council form of government. Um, it can work, but you just have to accept what the role is for everybody, which mm-hmm. is to say that the elected officials are there to set policy and set general direction for the community and you hire somebody and you hold them accountable for making things happen, but you got to turn them loose to make it happen, which sometimes got to be the frustration with Augusta's government, quite frankly. Um, um, you just, you know, don't have as much latitude to make things happen in the administrative role yeah. that you would in a city manager role. It's like more checks and balances. Yeah, and I don't even call it checks and mat balances. You know, it's, it's like more... Uh, Honestly, sometimes it felt like just more inefficiencies, mm. <laughs> uh, just more inefficiencies. Like um, some of even some of our surrounding cities, the 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 top official, the county manager, city manager, uh, was given more latitude um, because you didn't have as much interference in personnel matters and things like that, where they could just go get stuff done. Say, hey, do it. But yeah, that's just government's <laughs> a little bit more difficult. A, to a lot of, I would say another reason why they're, you know, the public views government, local government in certain ways, because when you think of the word government, you think of some sort of partisan. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to local government, what a lot of people are, it's hard for citizens of Augusta to grasp is that it is nonpartisan and it's literally for the city mm-hmm. uh, to grow, to exceed, to succeed. And uh, I would say a lot of it is just assuming that there's a partisan role in all this. Yeah, and our elected officials here in Augusta actually run on a nonpartisan basis. Mm -hmm. You will notice when we pull up that ballot, which is available now since Mm -hmm. early voting has started, they aren't identified as Democrats or Republicans. Right. Now, that's not always true because like in Mecklenburg County, I worked in Mecklenburg County, North Carolina as an assistant county manager for several years, and they actually ran as Democrats and Republicans. But uh, here in Georgia, they don't. Um, But they still kind of think that way because there's always the strife, you know, internal turmoil going on. Um, And you know what? One other thing I will I have to mention this is when you were asking me about things I was proud of, probably the thing that one of the things I now get the most recognition for i mean still even though i've been gone for three years i will still have augusta employees walk up to me and say miss jackson thank you so much for getting us a pay raise because uh, nobody ever paid a whole lot of attention to 
salaries. I mean, there hadn't been a, a stat salary study in, I don't know, 15 years or something before I came in. Wow. So, um, yeah, there wasn't much of an attempt to ensure that our employees were compensated fairly. So that, that also is how my list of things and just also goes to show sort <laughs> yeah. of the area of responsibility is, you know, if we're looking at uh, attracting and retaining a good workforce, we have to put uh, right salaries and benefits and things in place. So we actually upgraded salaries as well as uh, retirement benefits for our employees during the time I was there. So my last question regarding your time in Augusta as the administrator, because we got a lot to cover. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to ask this. Is there anything, you know, you were from Augusta, you moved away, you kind of uh, learned about government in other cities, you came back here. Is there anything that you learned about Augusta that maybe surprised you while you were the administrator? Um. You know, there's always this persistent conversation about whether Augusta is reaching its potential mm, yeah, and why it will or why it won't reach yeah. its potential. Um, I think I got a better understanding of kind of uh, why it, it hasn't. You know, when I came in, I used to say, I don't understand why Augusta is not one of the preeminent cities in the southeastern United States. And then, because you look at, like, the growth of the Charlottes and the Atlantas mm -hmm. and then even little Greenville, South even Greenville, Carolina. Greenville, yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, how did we wound. get this far behind? How did we get this far behind? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I just think there has not been enough of a concerted effort on the part of our elected leadership to put aside some small things to focus on the big picture, which is how Augusta finally reaches that potential. Mm -hmm. I mean, just a stone's throw from where we are right now on the riverfront. Of course, the Cyber Center is down there now. But, of mm -hmm. course, when I came in, that was a project I was involved with, just involved with the state and getting that carried out. I was a local person to make sure the building permits and all those things happen. Your name must be so on, a lot of, on a lot of documents. It, it is kind of a lot of stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But um, yeah, yeah. but um, we we were. I said one day I was sitting there, I was talking to somebody, and I said, you know, if I were to show up at their International City Managers Association, because that's our professional conference, professional association, and we have an annual conference. If I were to show up at ICMA, and I would tell people that I was administrator of a community of two hundred thousand in a metro area of six hundred thousand with a downtown on the riverfront, nobody would believe that we had two big patches of empty dirt. Mm. Right on the riverfront. Right on the river. Nobody would believe that. Right. Especially overgrown and unused. Yeah. We are right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we did get that patch of dirt on, on yep. that end, taking yep. care of the 13th Street end, right. taken care of. Hopefully there will be another, a third building, mm -hmm. um, because that was the intent at the time that that project was brought to the city. Um, but we're still dealing with that parking lot here on the other end yep. here. The depot. And it's like, come on, this ought to be right for development, you know, given what we have and the river walk itself is really nice. You know, it's yeah. a very attractive asset. Now we got the trails going on. So, I mean, hopefully somebody figures this out so that we can reach our potential and, and we don't, if we are looking around going, you know, why is there nothing on your riverfront? Yeah. Mm. I do have one more question before we dive into current events and what local matters is. 
Um, in your experience, I feel like you had, as the administrator, really an eagle eye view of the workings of the government. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that the a lot of the people in Augusta feel like the commissioners don't work well together. We've we've gotten to know a couple of the commissioners, and we from what we've heard and seen, they work well in their own way. But from your perspective, do the commissioners work well together? Obviously, we can't make everybody happy, and we live in that kind of world, but does District 7 have a problem with District 11? Um, I feel like the people deserve to hear that insight without – uh, shaming your right. your position or yeah, the yeah. the government you worked yeah. with, but just some sort of bring light to that. You know, um, this is the best way I can respond to that. Um, if you look at the average agenda when I was there, the average regular meeting agenda would have thirty to thirty five items on it. That sounds like a lot. That is. It a is lot. a lot. It is a lot. And they meet monthly. Uh, twice they meet. Uh, weekly. Weekly. Two work sessions and two regular meetings, if okay. I got that right. Um, so On it's just, just, about, just about every Tuesday. Yeah. Unless there's a fifth Tuesday. And praise God for fifth Tuesdays. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we would have that 30 to 35 items, and probably 90% of them would get a unanimous vote. Mm, okay. But that 10% or that 5% sometimes that yeah. didn't get a unanimous vote. Well, I've been that's what would be on the front page of the newspaper. Right. That's what would make the news story. Right. Which is the assumption by myself, but I was just curious. I think because people don't tune in to the Tuesday meetings, which Mm-mm. are live it's too And it's too long. Too that's long. why I know nobody's going to sit there for four hours. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's too long. Yeah. During the work but, day too. Yeah. During the work day. So um, yeah, nobody does that, but yeah. So you're, you're reduced to, to checking out the TV news or Facebook. You know, there are several Facebook groups that talk up city news and that's where you're going to see all this controversy when in fact 90 to 95% of those items went through unanimously. Stick around for more of our pre-election civics lesson right after this message from our friends at second city distillery. We always talk about support local, and this is an awesome opportunity to do just that. They're a distillery that's located downtown with a tasting room right off the riverfront in the local market that can be checked out almost any time. They also have products in all the local shelves from their spirits to their ready to drink dirty girl cocktails. Second City Distillery has a lot of cool stuff going on. Check out their downtown location and look for them in liquor stores and grocery stores in our area. So you're talking about local news. Um, let's let's pivot this over. Great talk about local matters. Great segue. Um, <laughs> so w- first of all, you kind of said at the beginning, local matters is a show that you do. It's a podcast mm-hmm. and a radio show. Uh, you talk about local government and and really the more broadly the civic issues in in, in the region, um, and and really in the state, I guess as well too, right? Mm-hmm. So when did that start? And and also, why did that start? Because that does not sound like an easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes I think I was crazy. But um, somebody, somebody approached me a few months before I started the show and said, hey, I think you should have a radio show. Because, you know, you're sort of your own brand. Da, 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 da. And I was like, what the heck would I talk about? So I just kind of marinated on it for 
four or five months. And then one day I came up with a concept and I got in touch with WKCK uh, where the show now runs. And um, it was, I think the, the key for me was one day I was sitting with a group of folks in a local civic organization. Um, it's called Hope, Helping Our People Excel. And there was a minister there who was talking about how he was, he used to get his church van, um, run around, drive around neighborhoods, pick up people, take them to the polls, and they would get to the polls. He would say, well, you're a registered voter? And they say, yeah, I, I registered. And they would say, but I don't know who to vote for. I don't know what to do. So that's why even though I registered, I never came to vote because mm-hmm. I never knew, you know, how to do this. I don't know how any of this works. And that was at the point when I said, okay, that's just hopelessness. If you, you, you've taken the step to register, but you never have exercised the right um, because you just don't understand enough of it. And then, of course, there would always be conversations, even when I was with Augusta, you know, people would ask, wait a minute, such and such happened? Well, when did it happen? Well, mm-hmm. how did that happen? Well, who decided that? Yeah. You know, and that was just, I put those things together and I said, yeah, this, this is it. I'm going to use my background and expertise to try to help people understand a little bit more about how all education. this works. Mm-hmm. It's just civic education. And when was that? What year was that? 2020. Okay. Um, the podcast began at the beginning of the pandemic. I actually did, I think, two or three episodes in the studio and then everything shut down and here we are so it wasn't a pandemic podcast it just happened Mm-mm. to be it just happened to happen yeah. that way because i like i said i've been coming up with the concept for a few months before i could really you know okay. get it down but yep it happened and then i continued like a lot of other people actually started podcasts yeah. after they were sitting there for a couple months oh what do i do yeah, <laughs> start a yeah. Podcast. <laughs> yeah but I, I started at the exact same time i think my first day in studio was march 4th Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was literally weeks before the shutdown. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, Local Matters, you generally do an interview format, right? So, you usually have like an expert on mm-hmm. and you kind of talk about whatever issue is kind of specific to them. Mm-hmm. Are any highlights that, that were kind of like exciting for you to like, you know, bring somebody on that maybe you didn't think you could get on or an issue that was just really important to you? That was, yeah, that's a great question. Let me think about it. I'll give you a couple examples. Of course. That'd be a tough question for me. So right. (laughs) Yeah. I had to think about that one for a minute, but you know, one of the things it's election coverage, again, getting people prepared to vote. Mm -hmm. So for the last couple of months, I have had candidates for all of the local offices on, um, Good, because we didn't want to do that again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did that uh, for the commission race. Yeah, yeah that was twenty twenty. Not easy, by it the way. It was not easy. Yeah, and there's more people now. I think and it's even more people now. So yeah, I do them in, in snippets. So each uh, candidate maybe had you know five, six, seven, eight minutes, something like that, depending on how many candidates there are in that particular race. I got to learn from you. We were giving these guys thirty minutes each. Nah, you can't <laughs> do all that, man. Get the, cannot do all that. But yeah, just three <laughs> quick questions that I asked them: Why did you decide to run for a commission seat? Tell me the most significant thing you have accomplished in your public life, mm. and uh, if you are elected, what will be your top priority? So. You know, let's see how much you can say in seven minutes. Yeah. And um, I have had candidates from all of the district races come in. And now I'm at the point where, yeah, people know about local matters. In fact, 
I felt really good about this. I have now have campaign managers for those candidates calling me and saying, hey, when are you going to cover District 6? I want to make sure my candidate's on your show. That's awesome. So, That's yeah, really good. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, yeah, it, it, it is becoming what I had hoped it would two years ago when I didn't have a clue of what I was doing. Uh, but, yeah, we've had commission candidates, mayoral candidates, seven of the nine, uh, all of the judicial candidates for state court, magistrate court, and superior court have wow. been on the show. And I tell people that you would be surprised how much candidates reveal about themselves in five to seven minutes. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. you really get a sense of not just what they say they want to do, but a sense of their character mm. and that sort of thing, just in how they respond to to a really quick interview like that. So I invite everybody, please go to SoundCloud or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, find Local Matters, and listen to those if you have not uh, already voted and you want to learn more about the candidates. is a great way to do that. So those, those questions are cool because you get mm-hmm. to learn about the candidates, but I think you also get to learn a little bit about the city from those questions. You do. What are some through lines that you kind of noticed as you were interviewing them of – you know, like issues that, for example, maybe districts that aren't even close to each other, but they all care about the same issues. One of the recurrent themes is cleanliness of the city. Mm. Um, because, unfortunately, and that is probably is one that, of my biggest Is that department. downtown or is all that everywhere? Augusta, Richmond it. County, the all whole thing. It. Yeah, um, because, you know, one of the disadvantages of us being a lower wealth county is that, you know, that's not a priority in some neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, folks are trying to survive. You got elderly people that, you know, lawnmower. I'm worried about getting my medication. I'm not that concerned about having a really well maintained yard right mm-hmm. about now. So, um, and you got some landlords who flat out just kind of don't care. So, you know, right. all those things work against us in terms of cleanliness. But cleanliness is a recurrent theme and has been for the whole time that I've been back to Augusta. Uh, another recurring theme is um, good financial management for the city. And another recurrent theme is whether commissioners work together. There it <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not the only okay. one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That that comes up often. In fact, there are probably at least a couple candidates. I mean, that's a, a major part of their platform is I know how to work with others. I can play well in the sandbox. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. The last time we had an election, I guess I wouldn't call it an election. The last time we had, uh, we were casting our votes mm-hmm. was a referendum on the new stadium. Uh, turnout. Arena. Turn, James James Arena. Arena, mm-hmm. yes. turnout was in the 10 to 11% range. Mm-hmm. Is that typical for a local election? You stole that question. From yeah. Me. I'm sorry. You posed it better than me though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Any, anytime you have a special election, you run the risk of a low turnout. What what does how does that affect the election? Is is something, for example, more likely to pass or fail if you have a low turnout in your experience? Okay. It depends on what it is. And let's let's try this. And this these statements are probably gonna contradict each other now that I think about it. But um I feel like it could give, go either way. Let, it could go either way. Let's talk about splost. Okay. I think the last time they had a splost referendum, it was pretty much out there by itself. And they got a whopping approval rating for that. It's like 70% because only the people who were interested in it showed up at yeah, the polls. Yeah. Right. You know, okay. there was a high level of disinterest. 
Unfortunately, there was a very high level of interest on this arena vote. In the negative And a, and a lot of it was negative right. yeah. because I went back, and now it's, memory's a little fuzzy because that was a while back, but mm-hmm. it seems like I recall checking by precinct to see, like, precincts like mine, the precincts that were closer to downtown had high yes percentages. Right. But the turnout was low. Yeah, but they're high yes because it's their neighborhood. Yeah, right. They're high yes because they feel like, yeah, I want something different. I want it near me. The people who who actually made it fail, I mean, it was District 3, as I recall. There were some of those precincts in District 3 with a high turnout, relatively high compared to the others. Don't remember the exact numbers. High turnout and high negative. I mean, yeah. they were probably like 75% negative. And they're the least impacted by it, you would think. Yeah, I, I think they were afraid of the tax issue. It's like, okay. The property tax. Yeah, prop, the property tax is going to go up. And Not they're a lot, in the, and but they heard up. But they're yeah. in the high-dollar homes yeah. right. where that where they felt like that would really be a yeah. hit for them. Well, and that, you see um, a lot about the demographics there because mm-hmm. uh, a lot home, about that's the a lot more home, home ownership in mm-hmm. that area. So, um, so yeah, the I think the key for the Coliseum Authority, if they want to come back with this, is going to be increasing turnout in those precincts where yeah. it was well-received. So we're, I'm going to piggyback on David's turnout question. Um, when you were administrator here versus this time, mm-hmm. this current, mm-hmm. was turn t- was voter turnout greater then versus now, or is it about the same? I ask because you know a lot of people, like you say, local matters, and a lot of people, if they want to see a change, they've got to vote for the people they want to make the change. Um, change doesn't happen just by sitting there behind your Facebook account. And so, um, it doesn't <laughs> shoot. Unfortunately it does not <laughs> people. It does not. Maybe if you're an influencer, maybe, Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just curious the voter turnout in Augusta or rich Richmond County. Um, I'm curious about that. I just knew you were going to ask me that question. Yeah. So she just pulled out her phone. She's got it already pulled up. So yeah, like yesterday that. I researched that issue. I've looked at the last three mayoral elections. Okay, that's great. That's good. That's a good data. 2010, I think this is last three. Let's hope I got the last three. 2010, uh, back then the mayoral election was actually on a November ballot. Okay. Uh, which generally, you know. Was that is a general election, election as well? Yeah, okay. general election. So that's going to have a better there, turnout. But turnout was 49% actually, Whoa. which is pretty high. That's close to the average, right, for like a national election? That Pro- Probably so. Um, and then we looked at in 2018, uh, let's do 2014 first because we'll go in order. From 10, 2014 with the May election, turnout was 30%. So you lose about 15% yeah. Yeah. when you, when you mm-hmm. don't have that national election mm-hmm. element. Yep. And then we go to 2018. Turnout was 26.15%. No kidding. Wow. Wow. So is that like a consistent trend in Augusta that it's been going down consistently? I think it just has to do with the level of interest. I think it has been going down. That That's true, too. You know, last year, I guess 2020, when in the general election, when, uh, you know, everybody wanted to get Trump out, I think mm-hmm. it was about 65% turnout, maybe, wow. something like that. Wow. So it got really high. 
at that point, but that's because people are so in tune to what happens on the federal level, right. not realizing that what happens at the state or local certain local levels really has Probably a tremendous important. impact on your quality of life. Yeah, I mean, the person that patches the pothole is going to be that's not Trump at the local or level. Biden. <laughs> right. You know, when people think about this, mm-hmm. it's the pothole patching, the um, water quality. Yeah. Um, public safety, because you're electing a sheriff here, Uh, recreation services, which people are parks and recreation, you know. I think the maintenance is a big thing, too. Those things happen locally. Yeah, right. Absolutely. What are your predictions for the turnout this year? You know what? I was leaning toward it being low, to be honest. Um, And the reason that I'm thinking, when I say low, I think it's 30%. Yeah. Or, or so, maybe a little lower. 30 to 35% yeah. probably. Um, I think that one of the things, it may not be, I was thinking there were some other things that would drive people to the polls, and now it's not looking like it's going to mm-hmm. drive them to the polls. Some things happening outside of Augusta. Yeah. For instance, the uh, U.S. Senate race. Yeah. Right. Um, but on the Republican side, it looks like Herschel Walker has that locked up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was listening to somebody else's podcast yesterday <laughs> and um, the person that had a journalist from the AJC on and I the think Atlanta he said, constitutional journal. Uh huh. Uh huh. And he said that he was expecting Herschel Walker to get about 60% of the vote in the Republican wow. primary. Wow. So if that's a done deal, so to speak, there may not be as many people coming out. Mm. Um, the I course, will, there'll I will be a big though, crowd in November, but not yeah. many now. What do you think about um, Garnett and Stephen Kendricks as far as like getting voters activated in activated general? Activated and like, energized. Do you think they're doing a good job? At first, it was feeling that way. It seemed here, like it at first, yeah, at for first, sure. It was feeling that way, but I'll be honest with you. Within the last week or two, I have talked to a number of people who have sort of thrown their hands up with that race as in, I don't know what to do. So they may not show up at the polls at oh, all. That's what you don't want. Yeah. yeah. They may not show up at all. So there, there's a fair amount of conflicting feelings out yeah. there and, and they just can't resolve those. Hopefully they can resolve it by May 24th. Cause somebody has <laughs> got to vote. Yeah. So speaking of that, just so our listeners are tuned in, talk, talk to us about the, the, the races that we're having and there's early voting right now. What are people needing to go out and vote for right now? And where can they do it? I think that's yeah, important. There are a bunch of races on the ballot right now at the local level and the state level. We can talk about those too. Um, locally, we've got commission districts two, four, six, and 10. District eight, um, the incumbent. Uh, Garrett is running unopposed. Yeah, he's already so, basically elected. Yeah, so he's elected. So you got four commission races, and I don't have one because I'm in District 1, so that would be less of an incentive for me to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm going to, but I'm just thinking about other people like me. So the big thing that I'm going to vote for is going to be Mayor of Augusta and all those judges, Civil and Magistrate Court, State Court, Superior Court. Tell me why that so, matters. Why does it matter who's the judge? That matters a ton. I mean, um, some of the things, we were just talking about things we complain about, cleanliness and stuff. Well, guess what judge you go before if you aren't maintaining your property? Civil and magistrate. Interesting. So if you want your neighbors to better maintain their property, code enforcement goes in to cite them, the neighbor wants to contest the citation, they go to civil and magistrate court. 
So you might want somebody that's going to be serious about addressing those issues, you know, because and it gets tough. You know, sometimes somebody will come in, oh, I'm 80 years old. I don't have enough money. I want to fix income. I can't fix up this property. And, you know, sometimes it's a rental. You know, I can't fix up this property. And sometimes a judge will go, well, we'll give you six more months. And then we'll give you six more months, another six months. So those judges have to make some tough decisions with mm-hmm. those things. Even things that we consider minor. Like one time I had a stray dog problem in the neighborhood. But, you know, it's just a stray dog. But the dog was terrorizing the school kids as they were walking home from school. Mm, someone's got to do something. And somebody's got to do something. So animal control, you know, cites them. They wind up in civil and magistrate court to talk about that. So, so here's so, a question then. Mm-hmm. Civil and magistrate court. Mm-hmm. Let's assume they're important and, mm-hmm. and that we all believe you. What are the qualities that we should look for? Like when, so when we see the people running, like what are some of those buzzwords that you look for that tell you that they're going to do a good job? That is an excellent question. It's so good that I invited a judge on local matters to talk about it. <laughs> David uh, loves this stuff. Yeah. And I um, love learning about it. Yeah. I um, had Judge Kelly McIntyre, who is in Richmond County State Court. I had her come in a few weeks ago. So, y'all, go look for that local Go matters. listen to that episode. Go look for that episode. Um, it's also on my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. But, yeah, Judge Kelly McIntyre really talks about how you decide, you know, who to vote for for judge. So those are precisely the types of questions that okay. Local Matters was created to address. That's awesome. Thank you. Let's talk about the mayoral race, mm-hmm. and let's do it in a way – that we can be as impartial as, as we possibly yes. can. So let's start from the top. Can can we first educate the 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 platform first by what is the mayor's job in the city? Oh, that's a good place to start. Because yeah. we've we've mentioned thrown around yeah. the the strong mayor, weak mayor system, and we've had Deke on the show before to talk about his role as mayor when he was mayor. But real from your perspective and from your uh job yeah strong mayor weak mayor three-headed monster like why do we care right why if if it's a weak mayor why should augusta care okay this is what we currently charge the mayor to do uh the mayor's one of the primary responsibilities presiding over these meetings where everybody thinks nobody gets along Mm. um let's say uh, there's something that really for the good of the city needs to take place. No, mayor doesn't have a vote. But if he or she's sitting there and the council can, commission cannot come to consensus, I as administrator and I think the rest of us as the public should look at the mayor and said, you got to do something. You got to you got to get us to a, a reasonable decision that is in the best interest of the city. So a good mayor is going to be working behind the scenes mm. with those commission members to say, hey, you want X, you want I, Y. Let's find the middle ground mm. here so we can vote on this issue and mm. move forward. So we're talking like soft skills. We're talking a lot of soft skills. We're also talking being able to sort of recognize a good idea when he or she sees one, Mm -hmm. uh, which is to say um, what's really for them to really be able to evaluate what's good for the city and what's good for most of the residents of the city. You know, everybody's not always going to be happy with everything, Mm -hmm. but what does the greater good here and trying to help the commission get there so that they aren't sitting there fussing and fighting at each other, making more headlines, mm-hmm. and um, right. that they can arrive at a decision. I mean, the the ability to arrive at good decisions in an efficient manner 
is something that I think the next mayor is really going to have to tackle and be good at. So decision-making is, mm-hmm. is really key. Yeah, decision-making and facilitating decision-making among 10 others. Wow. Not mm-hmm. easy. No, not, not easy. easy. It takes some skills to do that, but that is one of the best characteristics of a good mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the next characteristics, this issue of the city's potential and why aren't we realizing it and, and that sort of thing. I really hope we get somebody in that can tackle that head on and help the commission and everybody else see uh, the difference between major issues and minor issues. Mm. As in, we're sitting here quibbling over something that may be relatively small and we get mired in that issue when instead we should be focusing on those really big picture things that 10 years from now, people are going to say made a difference for the future of Augusta. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the end of our collaboration with the Local Matters podcast with Janice Ellen Jackson here at Augusta Podcast Studio. I want to talk about Augusta Hemp Company. I'm checking out their website at www.augustahempcompany.com and I'm seeing that they have a lot of things on their online shop. They've got anything from anti-anxiety formulas, unwind formulas, Delta 8 gummies. They've got dog chews. They've got dog tinctures. They've got soft gels, bath fizzers. They've got so many things, foot soaks. But I want to talk a little bit about their terpenes that they have. They've got terpenes that you can spray into your cocktails. This is really cool. I want you to go to www.augustahempcompany.com. That's www.augustahempcompany.com and check out their online store. Go ahead and order now. They'll ship it right to your house. So we have what I would describe in scientific terms as a crap ton of people running for mayor. <laughs> we do. A crap ton of people running mm-hmm. for mayor. I mean, I, I just Googled it just to see if I could find a list of the options. And, and I'm seeing uh, Donald Bradshaw. I'm seeing Charlie Hanna. I'm seeing A.K. Hassan, Robert Ingham, Lucas Johnson, Garnett Johnson, Lori Miles, Stephen Kendrick, and Marion Williams. So let's start with the big picture. We've got all these people running in your head and in my head and I think in everybody's head there's there's probably like a top three or four of those mm-hmm. candidates that are probably going to make it mm-hmm. maybe to a runoff mm-hmm. after the election day so the first question I'll ask you is who do you think the serious candidates are yeah I think there's a clear top two and no offense imagine. by the way yeah let's say this yeah. to anybody that doesn't make this list we respect what you guys are yes. doing we yeah. appreciate what you guys are doing we just want to talk about as somebody, if you're going to the polls, mm-hmm. you definitely want to be making a decision that you feel like you're going to see that person in office potentially. Almost to a person. And I've talked to a lot of people just because I talk to people and ask what you think. I saw somebody in the Southern salad today and I asked them the question because it's somebody that <laughs> I know is watching. Um, the, I would say, 90% of everybody that I have asked that question is expecting a runoff between Garnett Johnson and Stephen Kendrick. Mm. Uh, Why the, those two? The other 10% are thinking that their candidate can win outright. <laughs> <laughs> and they happen to be people who are working very closely with those two yeah, candidates. Yeah, surprising. Um, but, but on both sides, they think they can win, the, their candidate can win outright, A which is kind of interesting. 60%. Yeah, they think they got 
50% plus one yeah, to be specific. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got to have. Yeah. Um, one of those people said that it is the, uh, the uninformed voter might lead it to a runoff, but the informed voter is going to pick his candidate. And that happened to be a Stephen Kendrick supporter who said that to me, <laughs> that when you come back for the runoff, it's going to be the more serious uh, voters. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, this person firmly believes that, that Stephen Kendrick is going to be the winner. And like I said, that's somebody who's working in Stephen's campaign. Yeah. Um, I talked to somebody who's working in Garnett Johnson's campaign. They think he can win it oh, outright the on, on the day yeah. of the election. You You're know? Right. So um, it, where you stand depends on where you sit. Um, but that focused me back on the real question. I think I've. So there's a lot of there's a, a lot of candidates. Mm-hmm. In, in in your opinion, mm-hmm. this is just your opinion. Mm-hmm. What differentiates Garnett and Stephen from from the rest of the field? The rest of the field. They have a lot more money to campaign with. Mm. You think that's I mean, the both, biggest factor? Both of them, that's one of the big factors, because think about it now. Stephen Kendrick is the only person in this race that has won countywide office. Right. Which is very surprising. I mean, Marion Williams was a commissioner, right? He was a commissioner, and he represented half of the county. Right. Um, but he's also lost elections, I think at least two other elections. He lost for District 2 once, and he lost for State Senate once. So he's had... Uh, track record for winning, but he's also lost a couple races. Mm-hmm. And the biggest span was, you know, District 9, which was essentially half of the county. Yeah. So he's done half of the county. The rest of these guys never been in off. Uh, and, and then you got two others. I'm sorry. You got two others who have been on the school board. Mm. Uh, Charlie Hanna, current school board president, and uh, A.K. Oh. Hassan. Okay. Uh, who I think has been school board president and was on the old Augusta City Council pre-consolidation a long time ago. Checks out. I'm I'm reading their papers. He doesn't you. trust oh, okay. you. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I was just interested because I see like customer service representative as one of them. I see another entrepreneur. So there's two entrepreneurs running. Lori Miles, a former teacher. We definitely have a a cosmopolitan group of people running right now. So if you had to say, and I'm not going to ask you to say who you're voting for, 0% mm-hmm. chance I would ever do that. And but, 0% chance I'd tell you. And, and I respect that. <laughs> Hope you don't ask us Because I would not tell you. <laughs> um, so with that, looking at Garnett and Steven, if I'm a voter and I'm, you know, not really paying too much attention to things, but I want to know, like, what are the main kind of features of each of them? Do you think you kind of have a good understanding of, like, you know, the direction Garnett wants to go, the direction Stephen wants to go, like the differences between them? The first thing I will tell you is both of them are enthusiastically standing on their records of previous success. Mm -hmm. Um, Stephen came into the tax commissioner's office 12, 13, 14 years ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he has gotten credit for revolutionizing that office because you have to realize that the previous tax commissioner was in place, I think for 35 or 40 years. So the office was pretty stagnated. Yeah. Uh, So Stephen came in, brought in new technology, brought in a new perspective on customer service and professionalism. Mm -hmm. And um, he stands proudly on that record. Garnett Johnson stands proudly on his record as a small business owner. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been uh, able to, to craft a business essentially from the ground up and uh, admittedly, you know, who wouldn't be proud of that. So both of them are able to articulate 
what they have done in the past. And I like to ask that question, you know, what have you done in the past? So both of them have a track record of success. One of them happens to be in government. The other one happens not to be in government. Um, In terms of what they will bring, the approach they will bring to the office, Stephen sees this as a continuation of what he did in the tax office. That if, hey, if I could come in and improve customer service and professionalism in a tax office, I can come in and do that citywide. Um, he also is um, has some advantages from the standpoint that he has worked with the elected officials before at tax, as tax commissioner. You know, he's right there. He often has to appear before the commission on various issues. Uh, not the least of which is getting his budget approved. Uh, so he has successfully had to advocate for that office. So this is a space that he's extremely familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so he thinks that, you know, his slogan, difference day one, mm-hmm. uh, means that he can come in right away and start making a difference because he already knows the landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, Garnett feels like he can take his business experience and, uh, talk about a different way of doing business. Um, he, he thinks that government can be better if it's looked at from a different lens. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's attempting to do with his campaign. I think there's also a pretty strong feeling from him and his supporters is just because certain people have been in charge in the past doesn't mean they always need to be in charge. Mm. So so he feels like uh, change difference is, is good. Change difference, efficiency, I hear that coming through, mm-hmm. which also is something you would expect from a businessman. For sure. And and in my personal opinion, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer between the two of them. Just, just looking at the situation from a little bit of a detached view, because I don't, you know, we've, We've met both of them, but but I, I would generally say that no matter which one of them, if if it's true, if everything we're hearing is correct, if one of them is elected, I wouldn't be upset for with either of them. And and I kinda wanna end end this particular part of the conversation just on that note that no matter who wins, I think maybe the city might take a different direction. But I, I wouldn't be upset either way personally. And and I think that's a cool position for us to be in as a city where we actually have people that are competent that want to do a good job running for office. And, and we can kind of, you know, show out and say, you know, this is the direction we like, but it's not like we feel like one of these guys is going to come in and bankrupt the city or, you know, right. have any kind of legal troubles or anything like that. So. And and, it, and it's tough to bankrupt the city too with all it's, the yeah, checks yeah. and balances <laughs> that are in place. You know, I, I guess for Augusta right. history, I don't know if you guys know this um, since you're young whippersnappers, but you know, we basically had a mayor bankrupt the city already. Right. It's happened once already. <laughs> so that's why they put in all those checks yeah. and balances. And you do have a mayor that doesn't have a lot of power. So mm-hmm. um, there is minimal damage, I think, that a new that mayor can one do. Of the, yeah. Um, but there is a significant upside and we as voters got to figure out who can get us to the upside mm-hmm. in the, the quickest and best way. A hundred percent. Thank I you. Agree. You know, we're talking about the election coming up. Uh, we have um, early elections open up and then we've got the day coming up on May 24th, I believe. Um, do you have any advice that you'd like to give us citizens of Augusta, Richmond County um, going into voting? I got two pieces of advice. One is... If you're going to follow me, I'm following my own advice. Please follow me. I'm not voting until late. I'm waiting until May 24th. And that is because you can tell over the last few weeks, more and more information is coming out about Mm. candidates. 
Um, and I want to have benefit of all of that information when I make my decision. I want to have, have a chance to hear it, process it, even research it and ask some questions if I can on, on some of that stuff. So I am voting later this time around. Um, also, don't ignore the down ballot races. Um, at, at the state level, there are a bunch of things. Uh, Commissioner of Agriculture, uh, commissioner, uh, state school superintendent, secretary of state. Sometimes we don't think those things affect our lives. Well, guess what they do? That secretary of state in particular, even yeah. though the state legislature sets the rules, there's still a lot of things they can do within the rules to make it easier for us to go vote. So um, as you prepare for those races, the Internet is your very best friend. I mean, if you're fortunate enough to be able to afford a subscription to uh, the Augusta Chronicle and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, go ahead and pay for it because there's a wealth of information on those sites. But there's free sites like Ballotpedia and there's uh, the individual candidate websites. Just just research those candidates. I had one friend um, say that he and his wife probably spent two hours sitting around the kitchen table reading literature and going online to figure out who they, go, they were going to vote for. But it was worth it because they mm. got information that way. So take advantage of all those free resources. Uh, pay attention to all the offices and vote as late as you can. Vote as late as you can. <laughs> Thank well you done. so much, Janice. Well done. And Thank I you. do have one more question for you. This question we ask every guest on the show. We don't have a scripted show, uh, but we do have one question that we ask every guest. And we are here dropping the disc from Augusta. Uh, and you are doing just that through Local Matters by educating us. If someone were to walk up to you and diss Augusta, what would you respond to them with? The Drop the Disc question is presented by our friends at Tranner Gray Media. Here at Tranner Gray Media, we are a full-service, award-winning marketing agency specializing in video production based right here in Augusta. We have experience at both the local and national level partnering with businesses to bring their message to the forefront. Whether you need video, graphic design, digital or traditional advertising, web work, or creative services, we exist to help you tell your story. Stop that. <laughs> because I, I tell you what, I didn't hear the term disgusta until I had graduated from high school. I think it was the summer that I worked at the Medical College of Georgia School of Dentistry. I was working in the pathology lab. It was a cool job. They thought I was going to become a dentist one day. Ha ha, that <laughs> didn't happen. But um, I was in the lab, and the dental students would come in and start talking about disgusta. And I'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> you know, so that, that diss thing just really bugs me. Um, no, we haven't reached the whole potential that we have. You know, we're not up there yet. Uh, hopefully these mayoral candidates will get us there. But uh, we're not disgusting either. I think we, we have a lot to offer. I think whoever wins these elections, we wish them incredible success. Yes. And uh, whoever it is, we're very happy about it. And uh, whoever's listening to this, if you have not voted yet, uh, the uh, the official cutoff for that will be two days from now, right? The 24th? Early, uh, two day. Oh, yeah. The early voting ends on May 20th. Yeah. The election is May 24th. Yeah, so the election is two days from now. So make sure y'all get out. Um, the poll locations are, are located. There's some downtown at, at the Bell. Um, 
do you, do you know some, well, actually, some locations you can shout out? On yeah. the 24th, your only option on that day is your precinct. So make sure you go to your precinct. Yeah, go to your precinct. And to make sure you know where your precinct is, there are two ways. I call it the low-tech way and the high-tech way. Low-tech <laughs> is you probably got a little white card in the mail mm-hmm. that, that tells you what district you're in and uh, where you vote. High-tech way is the Georgia Secretary of State's office has a My Voter page system there. Go in, type in your first initial, last name, date of birth, and county, and all of your information will come up to include a sample ballot. There you go. Perfect. Thank you so much. Janice Allen Jackson, the host of the Local Matters podcast and radio show. You can catch her on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and Wednesdays? Wednesday afternoon, 1.30. Wednesdays afternoon at 1.30 on? WKZK. There you go. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in for this collaboration episode of the Drop the Disc podcast. We'll be back with a normal episode next week. If you are in the position to get out and vote, we highly recommend doing it for the mayoral election that's going to be on Tuesday, May 24th. And we hope to see you soon. Our summer lineup is pretty hot. We're excited about it. And uh, enjoy your week. We'll see you soon.